0: Hey friend, welcome to the Alive Living Podcast. My name is Sarah Raquel Gauthier and I'm excited for our journey together. We are all spiritual beings on a spiritual journey, but sometimes we may feel like we're stuck and not fully living. The good news is, is that Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundantly. So let's stop sleepwalking and start living alive, one conversation at a time. What is home? As I um, get ready to wrestle with this question with us, I'm drinking uh, ethos coffee from Lakeland, Florida, where my family lives. Piece of home, the Guatemalan roast which is one of my favorites from ethos um that i get it from hillcrest this is a sponsorship for for hillcrest coffee no not really but if you're ever in lakeland florida ever in central florida hillcrest coffee shop is uh one of my favorites they have just got some some great folks to, that work there but as i'm drinking this coffee I'm, I'm really thinking about this question of home because this cup of coffee in some way it tastes like a piece of home to me what is home a few weeks ago, I went to the Contemporary Art Museum here in Boston, and I'd been wanting to see this this exhibit called When Home Won't Let You Stay. And it was the final day it was the closing day of the exhibit, and they were going to have a special celebration, particularly highlighting East Boston. And so East Boston is, if you've ever flown into Boston, East Boston is where, where you fly and the airport flies into to East Boston. And East Boston is where we gather as a church family, church community. And so they were going to be highlighting some East Boston artists on this theme of when home won't let you stay really thinking about some of the migration stories of people all across the world and then particularly thinking about what migration has looked like and continues to look like in East Boston. So I was really interested wanted to go um, and it was a Sunday and so I, I jetted out of our gathering um, and went over to the seaport area where the contemporary art museum is. And I, I get to the get to the event and get to the exhibit and I'm just so um, inspired to be honest by these young artists by this theme of home. What is home was the theme and, and this idea when home won't let you stay. And one of the things that the United Nations reports is that one out of every seven people in the world is an international or an internal migrant who moves by choice or by force. Think about that for a moment. One out of every seven people is an international or internal migrant who moves by choice or by force. The theme of this exhibit is that migration is such a world transforming force and it shapes our cities, it shapes our nations, it shapes our world. And it really comes down to this question, what is home? I'm walking through the exhibit and Seeing all these just like uh, really poignant artwork, uh, everything from from visual art to auditory art, poetry, um, photography, everything, and and just observing different perspectives on what it is home and this question of what happens when home won't let you stay either because you've been forced out or by choice you have moved. Some people will say, you know, home is where the heart is. And I hear that. I I hear that. Um, My heart is with my family in Florida oftentimes, even though I'm physically here, but my heart is also in Boston, um, the relationships and the people that that I have here, but also in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. My heart is with different people. There's a lyric from a song that says, home is whenever I'm with you. Um, and so this idea of being with someone can feel like home. I have a friend who says that home is a hug. And so this this tactile, this physical embrace and being able to be in, in that moment of a hug feels like home. I think whatever our description, whatever our definition, we all long for home. And this longing for home, I think, is embedded in our design the way that god designed us we were created as an eternal thought in god's mind we were created out of eternity and we were created and then placed into this context and we long for an eternity that we will experience again and so I think that it's something that, no matter what your definition, no matter what your description, no matter how you find yourself in relation to this idea of home, it's something that we all long for. I think for many people, home can conjure up all kinds of um, really positive, beautiful things. And for other people, home conjures up some not so beautiful things. And I think that's all a part of This longing that we have, it's beautiful, it's complex, it's the good, the bad, the ugly, the complicated. Home is such a nuanced idea, but it is something that we all long for. And I think if we're also honest, we also are people who wander. One of the things about this exhibit that was so um, poignant to me is that even though I haven't necessarily uh, had to migrate internationally, I can understand as I was looking at the stories, I could empathize and I could see just this idea of moving from where a place that you've always known and a space that you've always known, and then going to another place and feeling like a nomad, feeling like an outsider, feeling like a vagabond on a journey. We all wander. And it's not just that we physically wander by choice or by force. We wander emotionally. Sometimes our emotions, they overtake us and they get the better of us at times. We feel perhaps things that then become truths, even though they weren't truths. We wander in our emotions. I think we wander mentally. Have you ever had a thought that caused your mind to just wander maybe to a place where you never wanted to go? We wander in our thoughts. We wander in our minds, and I think we also wander spiritually. You and I can acknowledge that there are moments when, unfortunately, uh, we get off track, and we feel it, we feel it in our souls. I was having a conversation with a friend this week, and we were talking about how, you know, so many people in their pursuit for success, and success defined by the standards of money, and position, and prominence, and influence, And we look to those things as what success and how success is defined. And so in our pursuit of money and titles and all of this prominence and influence, we neglect our soul. And so we were talking about how Important it is that even when we're, we're pursuing all those things, it's not that those things are bad inherently, but if we're using them to try to fill this place in our soul, if we're using them to try to become full or whole spiritually, we're going to discover very quickly that all of those things, the wealth, the money, the power, the influence, everything, it falls short. But we wander spiritually because we are searching for something that will satiate us. We're searching for something that will fill the void. And so we wander. We are prone to wander as the hymn says. That's why the, the, the hymn that's written, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour because we're prone to wander. And so let that be the cry of our hearts. God, I need you every hour. Every hour I need you we're all vagabonds in search of home we're all people who wander with this longing for home And I think so as we've been having these conversations about our spiritual journey and what it looks like to walk with Jesus and walk together with Jesus I've been thinking about this idea of home Because I think ultimately when we put our faith in Christ, when we put our belief onto Christ, our spiritual journey isn't just a spiritual journey anymore, but it's a faith pilgrimage. We are on a spiritual journey that is rooted in faith. It is rooted in a belief of Jesus Christ. And so ultimately, when we put our faith onto Jesus and our belief onto Jesus, we are headed home. That is part of the good news. Part of the good news that Jesus comes is that he's going to return again and take us to our heavenly home, to our eternal home. And so our faith journey, our spiritual journey, is a journey towards home. We've been studying uh, the Sermon on the Mount, as a as a church family this this year, and um, one of the things that I've been been really just struck by, as I read Matthew's entire gospel and particularly with a focus on the Sermon on the Mount, is that the core message is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's important the language that Matthew uses because. Matthew, he's writing to a Jewish audience, which is, which is an important thing for us to remember. So this Jewish audience, when he used the word the kingdom of heaven, it's, 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 a, it's a reminder to them that heaven was a dimension that was closer than they even realized. In the Old Testament, we see God speaking out of the dimension of heaven. When Abraham is about to kill Isaac, there's a voice that comes out of heaven, out of this spiritual heavenly dimension and says to him, don't touch the boy. Don't touch your son. There's a woman named Hagar and similar situation with Hagar. She has been exiled in a sense. She is wandering in a sense, mourning in a sense. And so God calls out to her from the heavenly realm. And he says, I hear you. I see you. We see Jacob and he has this dream. And um, in the dream, there's angels going up and down of a ladder. And when he wakes up from the dream, he says, surely this is the very gate to heaven. And I did not realize it. God speaks to Jacob out of the heavenly realm through this dream where he sees the portal, this ladder to heaven. For a Jewish audience, when they hear the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heaven was closer than we perceive it to be. And I think that's an important distinction for us because I think so often we think heaven is this far off place, somewhere that's otherworldly. And I've talked about this before, um, that when we accept Jesus into our lives, our eternity begins in that moment. And we become almost awakened to these different dimensions, the spiritual dimension, the the physical dimension and understanding that it is so thin. Heaven and that original translation is, the, the better I, uh, translation is is the air or the atmosphere. I had a pastor once who used to say that uh, the spiritual dimension, if you could just pull down a zipper and there it would be, just be right smack dab in the spiritual dimension that, that the, the the veil was so thin that you could pull a zipper and it was there. So Matthew's core message is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for us who have chosen to begin this faith pilgrimage with God we know that we are headed towards heaven heaven is our home but what Matthew is reminding us is that heaven is accessible to us now the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's accessible to us now so we can experience a piece of heaven now we can experience shadows and signs and pieces and glimpses of heaven now and I think that's the beautiful thing about Um, the Gospel of Matthew and this core message, and particularly as as it is the core message of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's this invitation to us, to all of humanity, that heaven is accessible to everyone, no matter who you are. Home is accessible to all. Which is so encouraging to me, because if we all long for home, if we are all wandering, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, if we're all wanderers, vagabonds in search of home, the message of the kingdom of heaven being at hand now that home is accessible to all is so encouraging because it means that I can experience pieces and glimpses of heaven now. When Jesus opens his sermon on the Mount, he talks about who is blessed, and some of you may recall the Beatitudes is what this is called. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed, blessed, blessed. He goes on to list this these these people who are blessed. I think what's important is that oftentimes we read the, the Beatitudes as conditional blessing so i'm blessed if i am a peacekeeper for example i'm blessed if i mourn i'm blessed if i am hungering and thirsting for righteousness the language that jesus is using here is you're not blessed because you are poor because you mourn but you are blessed in spite of and despite being poor And that's an important distinction because blessed becomes the state of being for those who have been touched by heaven. Jesus is speaking this Sermon on the Mount. He's gathered his disciples to himself, but he's sitting on a mountain that was kind of like an amphitheater. So there were crowds that surrounded him and he had just been um, healing people. He had just been um, casting out demons for people. He had just been performing these incredible acts of, of miraculous healing. And so it's in that context, Jesus has shown them what heaven looks like, what healing looks like, what hope looks like, what deliverance and liberation looks like. And now Jesus goes from showing them what heaven looks like to telling them this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what home looks like. This is what it looks like to be part of my home and my family. That blessed is the state of being for those who have been touched by heaven. It's not a list of how-tos to achieve blessings. No, these were illustrations and examples from the immediate setting, from the crowds, from the people who Jesus had just been interacting with, the poor, the ones who mourned, the weak, those who had been peacekeepers, and yes, even those disciples who had, for whatever crazy reason, chosen to follow this carpenter from Nazareth. The refrain of blessed are, this, are these who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, blessed are the peacekeepers. This refrain is not a list of how to be blessed by Jesus. No, it is in spite of or despite our condition, despite our wanderings, despite our sinfulness, despite our darkness and our weakness, we are still blessed. It's a state of our being. Blessed are those who have been touched by Jesus, who the kingdom of heaven has come upon because home is accessible to them now. Dallas Willard calls uh, the Beatitudes, the hopeless blessables. Jesus is speaking to the hopeless blessables. And I love that, that imagery because to me, it speaks of how, um, how equitable Jesus is. That we all, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we all find ourselves in moments of hopelessness. And to know that in my hopelessness, when I mourn, when I am weak, when I struggle, when I fall, there is still a state of being because I've been touched by Jesus, I've been touched by heaven, and heaven has blessed me. Blessed, we can think about it more in our context. Blessed are the broke and the broken. Blessed are the flunk outs, the drop outs, the burnouts. Blessed are those who are depressed or anxious. Blessed are those who are workaholics or underemployed. Blessed are the lonely, the isolated. Blessed are the emotionally starved or the emotionally dead. Blessed are the people who smell bad, the people who are not very cute, the people who are too big and too loud, too short, too tall, too bald, too fat, the old, the young, blessed, blessed, the hopeless blessables. And I think that's important because it reminds us that Jesus wants to make heaven, wants to make home accessible to everyone. We read in Galatians chapter three. I want to focus on just a couple of verses here. Galatians chapter three, and I'm going to read from the message because I think um, I like the connotation here. Galatians chapter three, verses 28 through 29. It says, In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are in Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. What Paul is reminding the church at Galatia, which was going through a a pretty intense time of division and divisiveness and thinking about who gets to access heaven and who doesn't and what are what are the rituals that you have to do and what are the what is the list of the how to's of how can i be blessed they forgot the sermon on the mount and so paul has to remind them that in christ's family in god's home there is no division everyone can equally access the kingdom of heaven. There is equity in the kingdom of heaven. There's a common relationship with Jesus Christ where we're all blessed, where we, even though we may be Jews or non-Jews, slave or free, male or female, we get to access heaven when we are touched by Jesus. And he says, in Christ's family, you're part of Abraham's famous descendants. Remember the song, Father Abraham, he had many sons. I am one of them and so are you. And it promises us that we are heirs according to the covenant promises. There is an inheritance for those who are in Christ. Later on in 1 Peter, it will say that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled and unfailing because we have been born again to this living hope. So the hopeless blessables, when they are touched by heaven, you and I, we are born again into a living hope, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfailing, fading. And that inheritance is our heavenly home. That inheritance is the eternity that we get to experience glimpses and slices and shadows of now. Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 14, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Shout out, by the way, to uh, missionettes. So I grew up in the Assemblies of God. And missionettes, they're now girls only. But that was one of the verses that we had to memorize, and that one has stuck with me forever. And I think it's stuck with me forever because it reminds us that there is a place called home that we get to go to. There is a, a, a place. There is a room that God is preparing for me. There are mansions. There is space that God is preparing for me. And not only that, but Jesus is preparing that for me. Now, then, later. But also, already, I can experience glimpses of that. And we think about this idea of what is home? What is home? I think one of the most important things that the, the body of Christ, the family of God, offers people is this, I, this, this, this piece of home. We're all vagabonds in search of home. But our Vagabond journey is not a solo adventure. It's so important to remember that we are on a caravan together. That we are on this faith pilgrimage, this spiritual journey. We go on the journey together. And on this journey, we get to experience shadows and glimpses and pieces of home. We get to have a space for our wandering minds and souls and hearts and bodies to settle in a refuge. And you know this when you've experienced a relationship with, with someone, a Christ-centered friendship with someone. It's I, I can't really explain explain it, but it just feels like home. There's something life-giving, there's something nurturing, there's something where you feel seen, and you feel known, and you feel heard, and you feel understood, and that is a piece of heaven, and I think we cannot take that for granted. I think the most beautiful thing that the church, God's family, offers people is a sense of home we have to recapture that because if we're all prone to wander then we all need a place and a space that feels like heaven on earth that feels like the veil where you just pull the zipper it's like when i get together with my with my spiritual family it's like ah, the veil is torn the zipper is unzipped and heaven is just exploding and I'm feeling that fullness. And then we get to experience this abundant life that Jesus promised us. Part of the exhibition was um, that there were some artists from East Boston that were sharing about a work that they put together for the, for the exhibit. And um, they, they got to share a little bit about the experience of Living in East Boston, but also the experience of of being able to work on this artwork together. And East Boston is 69% Latino and it, over the, the centuries has been um, a place where many people have come in fr- through that. It's kind of like, think think Ellis Island, um, think Port of Entry, like that. It's, it's, it has that historical significance. Many migrants have come through East Boston. And, and for the p- past several decades, it's been a place where the Latino community is very prominent. If you ever come to East Boston, you feel it. It's like you've stepped into um, Little Colombia. It, you, you, you smell the empanadas in the air. You see in the bodegas there are snacks and treats that you can only get in East Boston. Um, and you just you feel it. There's a sense that like this is this feels like a piece of home. East Boston has the highest percentage of foreign-born residents to, of any Boston neighborhood, and so and you feel that you feel the the diversity of it. You feel how rich, rich. It's just such a rich neighborhood. But the students were sharing, and uh, they were young people and some young adults, and they were sharing uh, about their East Boston experience. And for the past several years, East Boston has been going through um, extraordinary gentrification. They call it. Uh, in the papers, The Last Frontier. It's like the last place that's still Boston zip code where you can, there's there's space to build. And so a lot of developers have been coming into the area. There are, are new high-rises that are on the water. The views from East Boston are incredible because you can see, view, right, you're on, on the other side of the water from, from downtown Boston. So the views are incredible, but they're putting all these high-rises up and, and gentrification has severely impacted the communities or the community that lives there. And in many ways, the, as, the, as the artists were sharing their story, some of them have been pushed out of East Boston because economically they cannot afford to live in the community anymore. Some of them have chosen to leave East Boston. Um, and, and some people are, are fighting to stay in the community. and they talked about this this idea of resilience. And I think resilience is definitely part of our Latino culture. I think we, we, we carry this resilience in our bones. And um, when home won't let us stay, we, we, we find ways to make it happen. And it's so interesting to me because even if you've never lived in East Boston, and I've never lived in East Boston, but there is something about the the beauty of the Latino culture that's so rich in, in the community. But gentrification is, is causing all of these dynamics and causing people to be um, either... Vagabonds by choice or by force. But when asked the question, what is home? When the artists were asked this question, there were three major themes that came up. And I think that they're important themes, not only for us as we think about uh, migration as a, as a global issue that we're confronting now, but also as people of God, people who are also in search of home, but people who can as the body of Christ, we can be a home for others. There were three themes that came up. Home is a safe space. Home is a secure space. And home is a seen space. It's safe, it's secure, and it's seen. And I think that this is what Jesus offers us when he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand Heaven is accessible to all now. Home is accessible to you now. I think This is what the body of Christ, the family of God needs to be for other people, a safe, a secure, and a seen place. And in that way, though we might be pushed out physically, though we may wander emotionally, though we may be vagabonds in our minds, though spiritually we may be prone to deviate, we can experience home we can experience heaven on earth on this spiritual journey and so what is home for you what are some of the ways that you would describe it we hear some of from the, from the Eastie artists, we hear safe, secure, seen, but for you, what is home? I would challenge you as you walk through this week to take some time to just reflect with you and God and and write down all the things that come to mind. And again, the good, the bad, the ugly, the complicated. I think it's so important that we wrestle and we rumble with our scripts and our stories and the ways that home has looked for us, because then we will be able to see the redemptive nature of Jesus's home, the home that Jesus. Jesus offers us when we hear him say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you because you make heaven and home accessible to all of us, hopeless blessables. That you desire to bless us, that you desire to welcome us into your home that we might have a spiritual home with you as we eagerly await our eternal home in heaven. I pray, Father, that we would be able to, to sense that nearness, that safety, that security, that seenness with you and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray for our churches That we, as the body of Christ, the people who have been called out to be sent to, that we would be the kind of people that could be home, be a spiritual home for others. That people would be able to experience pieces and shadows and signs and wonders of heaven, a taste of heaven on earth when we gather together as your body, as your people. Thank you, Jesus, because though we are all vagabonds in search of a home, You are the way, the truth, and the life, and it's in you that we find a home that is everlasting. It's in you that we find a home that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's in you that we experience a living hope that though we may be hopeless, you invite us into your family. We thank you for that. We thank you, God, because on this journey, Rugged as it may be, complex as it may be, challenging as it may be at times, Lord. You are with us. You are for us. And you show us what home looks like. So We love you, Lord. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, friend. Thanks for walking with me on the journey today. Before you go, I want to invite you to do three easy things so that we can continue to walk together. First, subscribe to the podcast. Second, share the podcast with a friend. And third, head on over to my website, SarahRGautier.com, where you can download your free field guide with a practical exercise that will support you towards alive living. Let's continue building one another up to live alive, one conversation at a time.